0: Song Lost Semaphore by the band Wave Sauce. You can find them over at wavesauce.com or in this episode of Monster Kid Radio. This is episode 41, and I am Derek M. Cook, your host and producer of the podcast dedicated to the classic and sometimes not so classic monster movies of yesteryear. How's everybody doing? So, first of all, right off the bat, I'm recording live, well, It's live anytime I record, but I'm recording right now in the parking lot outside the Joy Cinema here in Tigard, Oregon. I'm going to go in there, and we're going to watch The Giant Spider by director Christopher R. Mem. I can't wait to show this movie to the Pacific Northwest on the big screen for the very first time. It's the theatrical premiere of The Giant Spider. I'm going to introduce the film, horror host, well, kind of sort of horror host style. It's going to be a blast. I can't wait. I've already seen a couple people go into The Joy. And it's only eight thirty right now. The movie doesn't start till nine, so hoping for a really good crowd. I'm also hoping for a really good part two of my interview with Jackie Ray Neiman Jones. You know, the girl who played Debbie in Manos: The Hands of Fate. She's going to be here for part two of our interview. On Monster Kid Radio. We did part one a couple of days ago. Part two, we're going to talk a little bit more about some of her experiences on set with John Reynolds. We're going to get pretty personal about some things that Manos has helped her overcome over the years and just talk about the movie and where it's at now. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm really looking forward to it. Jackie has been all over the podosphere this week. She's appeared on at least two other podcasts. So if you want more Jackie, look her up online, do a little bit of Googling and you'll find her in some other podcasts as well. I want to apologize to everybody because there was a teeny tiny glitch in the last episode. Not exactly sure what happened. At least I'm not 100%. I think what happened was, is as I was trying to upload episode 40 into the feed, Torgo came along, tripped over the cables, and uh, just threw the whole thing off. So thank you for bearing with me through all of this and enjoy part two of our interview with Jackie Ray jones right after this. Hammer Film Productions began in 1934 and after producing almost 200 films and television programs, the studio is still releasing and re-releasing new and classic film titles. 1951 Downplace is the podcast that brings you the story of the great Hammer films, one movie at a time. Here are your hosts describing what Hammer means to them. First is Casey. Hammer means the beautiful and glamorous women of Hammer Horror, the engaging storytelling, And amazing period films. Joining him is Derek. Hammer means the incredible work of actors like Peter Cushing, Christopher Lee, and even Michael Ripper. The gothic storytelling, the incredible music, and the set pieces. And finally, here's Scott. Um, well, Hammer means how to get a nail into a block of wood.
1: This boy has a lot to learn. Join our hosts as they make their journey through the Hammer Films catalogue and discuss each
0: film with critical opinion, historical facts, production notes and other information about these classic films. 1951 Downplace can be found in iTunes or their website, www.1951downplace.com Should I have said Hammer Pants? 1951 Downplace, the home of Hammer Films discussion. Recently on your blog, you posted uh, an entry titled Torgo is John Reynolds, and this was uh, earlier this month. Mm -hmm. And I found it quite fascinating that as a seven-year-old child, you're saying that you still kind of sense that maybe something might have been wrong on the set and maybe John Reynolds, uh, he might have had some demons he was dealing with. Do you have a lot of memories working with John?
1: Well yeah, I remember. I mean, from my point of view at that time, he was my favorite person on the set because he was the one that I felt gave me the sincerest attention, and my dad when I talked to my dad about that, he said it made sense to him. So this is like later time reflection. You okay, know, my okay. my child, my child self remembered this Guy that during times when neither one of us was working, I'd sit on this the low adobe wall outside the house, and he would entertain me. You know, doing just being silly. You know, he would do like pratfalls or he's just goofy, a goofy guy, just entertaining a child. And I think there was a childlike quality about him, and there was something about uh, he felt safe with me. Because he was very shy and withdrawn, and very troubled, and not comfortable around the women outside of character. Like he could do the character, but because he was a method actor, but he wasn't comfortable socially in normal circumstances, which is not that uncommon with people that are very creative or or actors. You know? Sure. And so my memories of him is is. Uh, you know, fun. Sure. But I also, at the same time, knew that there was something going on with him. I mean, even at that age, and maybe it was because the mid-60s and the other people that I was around, more bohemian types in terms of adults, socially, was that drug culture. And so, you know, I think I know he was on drugs, even though maybe in at that age I didn't really know what that meant. but there was something definitely altered about
0: him and he had passed shortly before the premiere of the film did that color i don't know your enjoyment of the movie or or lack of because of the movie itself or how did that impact the premiere
1: well i think it impacted it quite a lot because uh well my dad was friends with john And my dad had tried to engage John. He recognized depression and he recognized perhaps his suicidal tendencies. So he really tried to reach out to John. They were friends. So when this happened, it was very devastating. I can't speak for anybody else. But for my family, it was really devastating. Uh, he lived just two blocks from us. I remember, you know, he, was, he lived in our neighborhood, <laughs> you know. And uh, so I, I don't remember ever visiting him at his house. Well, I think I did with my dad a couple times, but my dad would invite him over, invite him to hang out with our family, trying to give him some normalcy you know but i just think it was so difficult for him
0: and how is it now having seen him restored in the restoration i mean it's mm. he's crystal clear does that yeah do you think he would have appreciated that
1: it's hard to say you know <laughs> he's only 25 then who knows mm. i mean honestly if if he could have overcome the pain and the drugs if he could have overcome those things then He could have come to a place, he'd be, what, 72 years old now, and he could have come to a place where he might enjoy it. Who knows? You know, it's really hard to say. But, yeah, watching him now and in the restoration, it is is heartbreaking because, I mean, I was suicidal growing up, and I'm so grateful and blessed to be alive because I mean my god if you just hang on there long enough and you keep moving forward wow the possibilities are incredible and I look at him and I see I mean he was only 25 years old he was this handsome young man and and so creative and you know it's just too bad that he couldn't have found a way to keep going you know who knows what he could have done
0: Well, I will put a link to your blog in the show notes, like I said earlier. I thought it was a great piece that you wrote about John. And uh, you've been writing about your father as well and, and, you know, how Manos has impacted him a little bit. Do you Mm -hmm. still talk about Manos with your father or is he kind of over at this point?
1: (laughs) No, I mean, it's actually Manos is the thing that has uh, opened up our relationship. Oh, wow. We had a family split. Mm. like nine years ago, I mean a long time ago, might be longer, I don't know, but but this whole monos thing, since it's come up, it's for some strange reason, it's the one thing that we can get together on, you know, that we can visit about, and my dad and I, we, we love each other, but there's, you know, he has another family, there's another family involved, mm. and I didn't fit into that picture for a long time. And so it's really—I don't know—it's created a lot of healing, in a way. Uh, not in a way; it has. It's created a lot of healing for some reason. Monos is the acceptable form of us having communication, and so I really enjoy that. And it's—it's it's opened up uh, a lot of things. So we visit, we've done a lot of Monos related things. I have him signing autographed pictures from time to time that I sell on eBay and on Mm -hmm. my Etsy site. And I get together with him to let him know all the current Monos happenings because so many things are happening and to see just how far he wants to go with it. You know, he's done some interviews, well, for the restoration. You know, I just don't push him on it, but I certainly sure. love the opportunity to visit with him any chance I get.
0: It seems like whenever there's a Monos project, you're the one that gets attached to it, which is great because, I mean, you deserve it because you didn't. I mean, you didn't have your voice in the original, so you might as well get your voice in there now. <laughs> like you said, when you played, you know, the Debbie voice in the stage adaptation. Have you seen all the different adaptations, the the musical, the stage production, the hands of felt?
1: Yeah, well, I got to participate in the stage production, and I've been to several screenings of the Restoration, one in Hollywood and one in El Paso for the El Paso Classic Film Festival. (laughs) Yeah, they had 40 classic films and monos. And you know, the crazy thing is, I wish I'd taken a picture of the website Page, But on their VIP page, it said, I talk about degrees of separation. So, their keynote speaker was Al Pacino. And then <laughs> their, their VIPs were uh, Tippi Hedron, Eva Marie Saint, the actress whose name I can't remember, who played Scout in To Kill a Mockingbird. Oh,
0: okay.
1: And, and Jackie Ray and jones I was like, oh, my God, are you kidding me? <laughs> it's it was uh surreal. And I so I got to sit in the fifth row, like center of Al Pacino's show. It was crazy. I mean I'm sitting between the costume people from the Edith Head show, you know, the costume show and the and these um national film critics. <laughs> I'm like, wow, really? <laughs> Look at Debbie now. That's right. <laughs> but yeah, and then and then uh, in Seattle in August, it just worked out. It was just timing, where our, they did a screening of the restoration for the Seattle Independent Film Festival at the Uptown Theater, and then two nights later was the opening for Mono's Hands of Felt puppet theater. So I got to be up there for both events. It was very fun. Hansa Felt was amazingly hilarious. Wow, what a funny show. But she filmed it and hoping to see it on DVD.
0: Yeah, it was another one of those Kickstarter
1: projects. Well, she kickstarted yeah. 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 So and it will be out, and yeah. I hope soon.
0: Yeah, me too, because I also... Participated in that, so because I gotta have <laughs> all the mono you. stuff. I love this mono awesome. stuff. Awesome,
1: yeah.
0: How many times have you seen it? You think the movie itself?
1: Well, well, it's hard to say because I've probably only seen the like the original, the MST version. I don't know, maybe three times or four. I I probably haven't seen it through because, and the most most of the time it's friends insisting on watching it and oh, wearing yeah. me down, and then they wear me down. <laughs> And I turn it on and then a few minutes later they go, "This is terrible." And I said, "Well, you're the one making me watch it <laughs> you know I mean really, you beg me and then you insult me <laughs> 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 so then uh, so then I saw the um what is it oh the 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 live riff in the theaters mm-hmm. I saw that in the theater and then I've seen the restoration like... Four or five times because going to events and then seeing it with my dad. Did I talk about that? Seeing it with my dad hmm. for the first time. Yeah, Ben Sullivan did a audio. It's an extra or it's going to be something with the, the restoration. But yeah. he had my dad and I sit down and watch it together and comment on it. Oh. So, so <laughs> that, we have a Master Debbie Commentary yes a that commentary that's right that's what we call it oh, that'll be fun. That'll yeah be fun. yeah my favorite part in the whole commentary was when my dad turns to me and says oh lord this is really bad <laughs> <laughs> like really yes it is dad it's bad <laughs> <laughs>
0: Did you or your family have any contact with Harold Warren um, after the movie? Was there uh, an apology sent? You know, were there <laughs> any attempts to make things right for putting you guys in this movie that ended up not being very good?
1: Well, <laughs> I got a red bicycle. Hal bought me a bicycle. Uh, and he oh, well, got, there you go. And my Doberman got a 50-pound bag of dog food. <laughs> but my dad did not get his uh, painting or the robe back for some reason. Oh, man, that just, robe. I mean, it was like after the premiere, everybody just kind of was embarrassed, I guess, just kind of wanted to forget about it. So my dad just never claimed his property. Too bad. I'd love to have that painting and the robe. <laughs> Yeah, you
0: know, the the internet says that uh, Warren kept the robe and would wear it on Halloween. I don't.
1: That's what I hear. But that's they the internet. They, they say his son does that. Well, actually, I think he did. Conf- he did confirm that oh. how Warren's son did wear the robe for Halloween. At least at some point. I don't know if it's an every year thing, but have you had any?
0: fans of Manos kind of come out of the woodwork people that you wouldn't expect you know anybody celebrity wise or anything like that just approach you as a fan of the film
1: just you know the people that are doing all these amazing projects like hands of felt in the play I've just met the most amazing people through through people that are inspired by Manos and then they create these projects I feel so honored Brian Cook, who's doing the, you know, who did the play, he's a musician, he's with Blitz and Trapper out of Portland, and then he's connected with all these other people who I met through the play, and just this talent, this, am- this amazing talent. So, I just feel so honored at, at all the things that are opening up because of these new connections with people because of this film I, I you know i meet people and and they say oh i'm so honored to meet you and then i find out what they do <laughs> and i'm like are you kidding me who am i
0: <laughs> were you ever contacted by the mst3k people or, or the Rift tracks people
1: no i've tried baiting them <laughs> <laughs> But they 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 won't respond. Anyway, I don't know. I don't know. I <laughs> Who knows? Maybe someday. Maybe it... someday I'll be worthy. I don't know.
0: <laughs> well, what can we do to help? Uh, Cuz I think it would be great to have you involved with something with them. So
1: I I don't know. Just just uh keep baiting them. <laughs>
0: Well, uh, you know, I'll just give them a call when we're done here. I'm sure I can find their phone number or something. You know, maybe maybe I'll get that guy in the office on HBO or something.
1: You never know. <laughs> just, you never know. I mean, stranger things have happened. You know, this whole mono thing, it is fate. The Manos, the hands of fate. It right. lies over everything. And I just, I don't know. I'm not trying to guide this. I'm just trying to be part of it. Before we started recording,
0: we kind of exchanged some jokes about how the film's in public domain, which means basically anybody can do anything they want to the movie.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Have you seen or heard of anything that's just so off the wall that you couldn't believe somebody would do this with monos?
1: <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, yes. Um, i just trying to think if I would. I mean, I've seen all kinds of interesting things. I've seen some pretty terrible things. <laughs> <laughs> But I wouldn't mention them because I wouldn't do that to anybody, you Uh know. I try to be really supportive of everybody's projects, you know, because I celebrate the art, whatever it is, you know. But there are some things I've seen where I just kind of feel embarrassed for people a little bit, you know, like, oh, I'm sorry. (laughs) But you know, I've seen some really cool things. It's just it's crazy. If you Google monos or you on YouTube, it's like there are so many creative little skits and things that are people are doing. And then on my blog I find it so interesting. I look at where people are coming from in the world and it's incredible to me how many people around the world are reading it. You know, like for a while For several months running, Latvia was my second country of most people reading my blog.
0: Maybe they just really like Manos over there.
1: I guess. (laughs) Latvia. And right now, Denmark and Norway are really high up there. But I think because the restoration is going to be playing out that way, (laughs) I need to get my geography down. Well, I I follow your blog, and I love whenever
0: you post something like, you know, like I said, I really enjoyed the, what you wrote about John Reynolds. And on your Facebook page, you're always posting little things that you find here and there, like that customized Torgo action figure, which I would love <laughs> yeah, to, to cool. play with. Are you kidding me? That was awesome.
1: <laughs> I know. Ah, that's what I mean, the creativity. Like People put a lot of time into this stuff, you know, all for the love of monos. That's fascinating to me. So, I love it.
0: So, your blog is debbiesmonos.blogspot.com. And from there, you can link to your Etsy store, which is where you sell most of your artwork.
1: Yes. Uh Do you have
0: anything coming up, maybe even non Monos wise, that we can share with the listeners so people can support you?
1: Not right at the moment. Just I'm working on some new things this winter, getting the Monos work out there and, and more art shows. So, I'll be posting my calendar. And where I'll be and, and what's going on but you know any events anybody that can show up I'd you know don't leave me standing there alone <laughs> <laughs> do you ever go
0: to any conventions or anything like that
1: not yet I've had people talk to me about conventions I've had uh, some interest so like I said, I'm just kind of riding the wave. I, I'm just kind of taking it as it goes. I, I trust that the right things are going to come along, but I, I'm definitely open. I would love to go. I would just love to go. I, I guess mainly I just don't really know how to go about it. So if anybody has any suggestions. Yeah, say if there's any <laughs> listeners
0: out there that have a show coming up, that you want to have Debbie from Manos on.
1: Yeah, I'd you know. love to be there.
0: That'd be a blast. And, you know, again, there will be a link in the show notes to everything. I've been going through your Etsy store. Uh, I have purchased, you know, the t shirt so well. and such, and, and I'm excited to, to, to wear my Manos pride, you know, <laughs> uh, here, here. I'm in Oregon as well. We're fellow Oregonians, and yep. I would love to have you back on the show down the line.
1: Well, that'd be great. I'm getting a lot more things going on up there in Portland. So that's maybe we'll get something Monos related going on. That'd be really cool. I, I know that uh, there are a lot of Monos fans in Portland and in the area. it would be fun to maybe the restoration you know we need to do a show we need to do the restoration in portland
0: from your lips to <laughs> the master yes. there you go yes
1: all right <laughs> the master approves the
0: master approves there of you go mm-hmm. <laughs> jackie thank you so much for being a monster kid
1: radio oh thanks derek it was a pleasure speaking with you today
0: You know, I see him uh, in the projection booth up there. I'm going to go ahead and and, uh, get this party started. Welcome to Weird Wednesday here at the Joy Cinema, everybody. It's nice. So the Weird Wednesday series, it's a free movie every Wednesday night for one and over only because they serve beer and all sorts of awesome concessions out there. Uh, Weird Wednesday is an awesome thing to do here at the Joy. So if this is your first time, please come back. If this is a return visit for Weird Wednesday, please keep coming because we love having you here. Uh, My name is Derek M. Cook. I am the producer and host of a podcast here in Portland called Monster Kid Radio. It's Portland's... Thank you. Uh, Monster Kid Radio is Portland's only podcast devoted to the classic and sometimes not so classic monster movies of yesteryear, which means we typically talk about movies from the 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, the occasional toe-dipping into the 70s, that sort of thing. Especially movies like Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein, or Monster Crash the Pajama Party, which are movies are going to be playing next week here at the Joy. So maybe you guys can come back out to that. Uh, the movie that we're seeing tonight, however, is not a classic movie in the strictest sense, in that it was made this year. However, it was made as an homage to all of these classic movies. It was directed by a gentleman by the name of Christopher R. Mim, who back in 2006 decided he wanted to make a movie. And he thought about the kinds of movies that he watched growing up with his father, and ended up making the monster. Phan- Excuse me, it's the monster of Phantom Lake, which was well, monster in a lake, and you know, it's a sci-fi B movie kind of thing, and it's a blast. And he loved it so much, he ended up making a new movie every single year after that. The Giant Spider is movie number eight in his filmography. He cannot be here tonight because he's in Minnesota making movie number nine right now. Now I'll be selling all of his movies except one that I sold out of in the lobby after the movie. So if you guys are interested, it's ten dollars a DVD, or three for twenty-five. I'll also have copies of the Giant Spider, the one that we're going to be watching tonight. Now, like I said, these are movies that are based on classic science fiction B movies. The Giant Spider, from its title, I'm sure you can tell, is probably about. The giant spider. A giant spider. That's right. Now. Big bug movies, there's a tradition of these things in classic B-movie Hollywood. You've got movies like, well shout some out. Them. Them Them is probably one of the best. Uh, Other ones, anybody? Night of the Lupus. Night of the Lupus, giant bunnies, okay, okay. Uh, You know, you've got the Deadly Mantis, you've got Tarantula, you've got the Black Scorpion. I mean, there's a whole legacy of these films. Some good, some not so good. I think the giant spider ranks right in there with the good ones. When you watch The Giant Spider, you might be reminded of some of these movies, like Tarantula, because, well, it's a giant spider in the movie. There's also a a thing about The Black Scorpion that he tried to emulate in this film. The Black Scorpion was a film that had stop-motion animation by Willis O'Brien, who did the original King Kong. Looks great! Until they do a close-up of the scorpion's face, and they go to this weird little face-looking puppet that looks nothing like a stop-motion black scorpion. Well, Mim and Company decided to do the same thing in this film— On purpose. (laughs) So it's kind of an homage. Something that's special about this movie, out of all of Mim's movies, it's the first time I believe that he's had original music created for the film. Typically he picks up music from other public domain, classic films of the era. This time around, he actually had some music for the end and opening credits by a band called the Night Hobs. I think you're gonna like that. The opening credits also reference the movie them. There's a tiny bit of color in the titles. Uh, not a lot, it's kind of like what them did, but the rest of the movie's in black and white on purpose. I hope you guys really enjoy the movie, and I hope you guys come back for another weird Wednesday at Joy Cinema. If you like this movie, let Jeff know, because we want to bring more of Mim's movies here. Maybe next year when he gets his next one done, or some of the older ones, or whatever. And, uh, you know, if you need to stretch your legs or whatever, they're selling concessions. The snack bar is open, guys. You can find me on Monster Kid Radio. Enjoy the movie. That was me introducing the film at the Joy Cinema. Oh, we had a decent crowd. You know, it was Weird Wednesday for the joy. It's middle of the week. It's 9 o'clock, 21 and over only. And we had a lot of fun. It's a great theater to see a movie like The Giant Spider-Man. This is the first time I've seen one of Mim's films on the big screen. And I'm going to be a little honest with everybody here. I was a little worried going into it. Most of Mim's movies, most of the people who watch his films, watch them at home on DVD or in the case of House of Ghosts with the Giant Spider, potentially on Blu-ray. It's a different thing, composing a shot for the big screen versus the little screen. It's slightly different. There's just different aesthetics and different framings and and all that. You know what? I didn't have to worry about it because when it came to filling the screen with fun, with eight-legged terror, Mim knocked it out of the park. I mean, the giant spider was made to be seen on the big screen. It sounded fantastic. It looked great. The movie got all the right laughs at all the right times. It was a lot of fun to do. And, you know, I really enjoy doing these movie introductions. I used to do it for Dorado Films when we were showing movies down at the Clinton. I miss it. And I look forward to maybe bringing some more of MIMS movies out here to the Joy Cinema in the future. I talked with Jeff, the guy at the Joy, about it. And we might be doing that down the line if anybody is in the Portland area and has a film screening happening that you'd like me to come out and introduce, I'd love to do it. I also got to meet some listeners of the show. I got to see Maya again, got to see Tom and Kiri. I saw Rick. I saw the man behind the Pull Your Graveyard, which was actually kind of a fun thing to do. I'll tell you about the Pull Your Graveyard in a future episode of Monster Kid Radio. Met some co-workers and Some longtime podcast listeners of mine who used to listen to me on Mail or Zombies. so I met Debbie in person. Turns out we had somebody from Attack of the Moon Zombies, a previous film by Mim, in the audience. I didn't want to point him out during my introduction because I didn't want to embarrass anybody. But his kids also appeared in The Giant Spider as extras. So we actually had a Mim celebrity in attendance of the film. I got to talk about the cast. I got to talk about the connections between the different MIM movies. I love what MIM and company have grown over the years. I cannot wait for the late night double feature. The next movie is coming out next year. And I can't wait for the next episode of Monster Kid Radio. I'm going to be recording some things with returning guests, Scott and Tracy Morris and Joe Stuber this weekend. What's going to make it into the feed next week? I don't know yet, so we'll just have to come back next week to find out. I want to thank everybody for your support of Monster Kid Radio. Since we've launched, I was talking with Rick in the lobby, and it occurred to me that I launched the show in May, which means five months ago. We are only five months old. The support that we've gotten from the listeners and the podcasting community in general is just fantastic. So thank you very much. If you have any feedback for the show, please feel free to email me at monsterkidradio at gmail.com or drop me a voicemail on our phone line, 503-479-5MKR. We've gotten another review in the iTunes store, so we're up to 20. And keep in mind the current challenge, if you subscribe to the show in iTunes, once we get 50 honest reviews in the iTunes store, I'm going to do something special on Monster Kid Radio. And this will be a permanent addition. the podcast, something that I really want to do, something I've been working on, once we hit 50 reviews, you guys and gals can hear it too. Monster Kid Radio is a registered service mark of Monster Kid Radio, LLC. All original content of Monster Kid Radio by Monster Kid Radio, LLC, is licensed under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivations, 3.0 unported license. Of course, that does not apply to the song Lost Semaphore. That belongs to the band Wave Sauce. It appears on this episode of Monster Kid Radio by permission of the band...